0: So final Sunday in our series, Discovering Joy. This week, we are talking about discovering joy, how that is an act of daily defiance. Discovering joy is both in our minds and it's also in our actions as we daily pursue God. So that's what we're talking about today. So we're gonna be reading Philippians 4, And boy, did Paul pack a lot into this last chapter of this letter to the Philippians. So, we'll read it in a few chunks. We're going to start with Philippians 4, verses 1 through 3. Let's hear and open and receive God's word together today. Paul writes, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia, I entreat Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Let's go ahead and pause there. We're going to pause right there. Because quickly we see, in the very beginning of chapter 4, there's another roadblock to joy. And that roadblock is conflict. You see, we've talked about a few other of these roadblocks of joy over the past few weeks um, that prevents us from kind of experiencing the joy that we have in Christ. We talked about how seeking perfection Is one of those roadblocks. We talked about how division in the body is a roadblock and also selfishness. And now we're talking about relational conflict. We do not know the specifics of what went down between these two women, Uodia and Sintichi. I mean, my guess is they were they had a debate over whose name was the coolest. Because come on, those are awesome names, they're hard to say, they're they're spelled kind of funny, but Sintichi. There's two Y's in that. That's amazing. I don't know of any other names with two Y's in it. I'm sure there are some in there, but um, good names. But these two were in such disagreement that Paul takes this joyful letter and uses this as he's addressing Philippi, the church in Philippi, uh, to entreat them to agree. And entreat is a strong word. It's not a word you and I tend to use. We don't, we don't really use that a lot. It, it essentially means to beg. So Paul, he's begging them to agree. He knows, just as you and I know, in a relationship, when there is conflict, when there are things that seem irreconcilable, that conflict will rob you and distract you of all joy. Now, uh I, there's, there's some really cool science behind this, too. It's a super scientific, so stay with me. I hope I don't lose you here. When you have conflict with another person, there's this incredible, weird, scientific, almost magical thing that seems to happen where the image of that person's face is stamped in your mind, and it seems to pop up all the time. This is very scientific. I mean, for some of you right now, as I'm saying this, and we're talking about conflict, is there someone's face popping up and showing up in your mind? Because this happens. Science proves it, I'm pretty sure. Probably there's a study somewhere. So the question is, who is the syntici to your Euodia? Because if someone's face is popping up in your mind right now as we are discussing this, Guess what? There are chances that there is something unresolved between you and that individual. There is some kind of conflict. It might be an active, ongoing conflict, like maybe you argued of to watch the live stream this morning or not, or to sit on the couch or at the table. Or it could be much more serious than that. Or perhaps it's some long-standing, unresolved conflict. And it could be big, or it could be small. But now, each of us, with someone's face that is staring back at us in our mind, we have a choice to make. We can try and ignore it, and we can try and ignore it, but we know it will fester like a wound, or we can handle it. So I entreat you, I beg you, to do all you can, to seek reconciliation with that person. Whether you believe you were wronged or you were the one who was wrong, chances are it may be somewhere in the middle. Now, when you don't deal with conflict, when we avoid it, when we leave things unreconciled, we end up paying a tax on that thing for the rest of our life. Our joy will always be less because there's this dark corner over here and, and, and we're, we haven't touched it, and it's like a leech. It will constantly drain from us and breed further discord in our life that leads to bitterness, and bitterness, that's a strong flavor. In fact, it's stronger than just about anything else. If you don't believe me, go have a teaspoon of vinegar and have a teaspoon of sugar and see what one stands out more. Bitterness will seep into every area of our lives if we leave conflict left untouched so we seek reconciliation we do all we can on our side of things to make things right asking the spirit to help us to strengthen us to guide us to empower us because when we don't we suffer the other person suffers the community that you belong to the mission suffers But when we do, when we seek that reconciliation, knowing sometimes it may not come because it's always between more than one person, but when we seek it and we do all we can to claim it, we reclaim some of the land that was taken from us and we feel once again the freedom and the joy that is available to us in Christ Jesus. So this is hard work we're talking about. But it's incredibly important work. And if you are unable to navigate it on your own, then we follow Paul's advice. He, he asks this unnamed uh, true companion to, bring, to kind of come in and to help them, um, and, and to, to help them as they, as they work together in the gospel. And so we bring in a trusted third party to help do the hard work towards a restored relationship. It's kind of a challenging and getting right to it kind of word at the outset, but hey, we're just following Paul here, right? So let's do the hard work to seek that reconciliation together. Now let's continue reading on. We're going to read 4 through 5. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Paul is once again reminding us that joy transcends circumstance. And joy is not just something we feel, it's something we do. He tells us to always rejoice in the Lord. That's an action. Uh, uh, rejoice, give praise and glory and honor to God. But he says to do it always, that's a tall order. <laughs> I mean, what is something you are always doing? Can you think of anything? What are you always doing? I, uh, the only thing I could come up with is about the only thing I'm doing is breathing. And then I had to think about, is breathing only when we take a breath or is it also when we release a breath? I don't know. It's probably both. So I'm always breathing. I can't think of anything else we're always doing, but Paul is asking us here, commanding us to always rejoice in the Lord. You see, Paul, what he's doing here, he's calling us to strive for a constant state of radiating the joy of the Lord. To strive for it, to fight for it, to contend for it, to constantly seek to go back to that place. And this call, it reveals to us once again that our uh, inner attitudes, they do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. We can choose joy in the midst of the struggle. We can make that choice, or we can at least choose to fight for that joy. And when we may not feel it, we know we may not feel joy always, but we can absolutely still practice joy by rejoicing. Because no matter where you are in life, no matter what you are going through, No matter what storms this life has brought you, Jesus Christ is with you. He's still king. He is still good. His promises are sure. And that knowledge alone can help shift our perspective to see God at work in the midst of the storm and the struggle. So rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul tells us to let our reasonableness be known to everyone. Would any of you say that's a timely word for our world today? Uh, Anybody? Uh, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Kind of feels like reason has just kind of been thrown out the window lately. But what we know is that reasonableness, it's crucial for maintaining healthy community. It's the, being reasonable, it's the disposition, (laughs) disposition, there it is, that seeks what is best for everybody and not just for oneself. And so we will fight to maintain a posture of being reasonable, especially right now in the face of so many different opinions kind of harkens back to what we talked to about seeking unity, right, and harmony, being in harmony with one another. We're singing the same tune. We're just singing it differently and trying to do it in a way that blends well with others. So bearing that in mind, let's continue reading on. Uh, we're going to read verses 6 through 9 here. You all still with me? Just making sure I didn't lose connection. Uh, drop me a comment if you're still here. All right. There's a little bit of a delay, so I don't know if you're still with me. I'm pretty sure you're still with me. Let's dive in. Verses 6 through 9. Where are we at? There we are. All right. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. which we know there is, then think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Just as you all are with me. Look at those comments coming in. Right on. So, for those of you keeping record, Paul, in back-to-back verses, instructs us, to always be rejoicing, and also to not be anxious about anything. Come on, Paul, isn't one of those hard enough? Honestly, just reading these things and thinking about trying to do them, it causes me to be a little anxious. Who's with me on that? Imagine never worrying about anything. That seems to me like an impossibility. I mean, we all have worries. We carry them with us. We have so many of them. So let's be brave together. Who's anxious about something this morning? I, you, I don't want you to share with me the specifics, unless you want to. Just let me know. Who's just a little anxious about something? You're just a little bit worried about something this morning. Uh just let me know if you're carrying any of those thoughts right now. If, if, you, if no one says anything, then I'm just going to get a little bit anxious, thinking I'm the only anxious person out there um, that has a little bit of anxiety. But that's part of the human experience, is we carry worries. We carry anxieties. And yet Paul, we know, is echoing Jesus Christ, who says, Do not worry. Do not worry. And so what are they saying to us? Saying, urging, I would dare say, us to seek, once again, to fight, to fight and contend to live a life without worry. And he gives us kind of the secret to how to do that. It's very helpful advice, and it's very simple. It's to turn our worries into prayers. We turn our worries into prayers. We may breathe in. We're anxious and we breathe it out back to God, okay? Because when we worry, we pray. And as we pray, God will ease our burden. Whenever you start to worry, it may be helpful to view worry as kind of your check engine light, telling you it's time to stop and time to pray. Now, if you're one of those people that ignores that check engine light, Do not ignore this. Do not ignore when you worry. Take your worries to God, for he cares deeply for you. He is infinitely more capable of handling your worries than you are. So rejoice always. Give your worries to God and bring everything to God in prayer. And what are we told will happen when we do that? The peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You and I know that true peace, it is not found in simply thinking positive. It's not found in just avoiding conflict or in the absence of conflict or in just feeling good. True peace comes from knowing, in the midst of the struggles of life, that God is in control. What brings us peace? What brings us peace? Our our citizenship in Christ's kingdom. It is sure. Our destiny is set. God is still on the throne, and we have victory over sin in Him. So God's peace will guard us like like a shield, and we know that the war that we fight is not against flesh and blood, not the things in this world that we are anxious over and that that causes us anxiety and worry. No, the real war, the one that matters, is the war we wage against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil at work. And we know (laughs) that God is victorious. Seeking God, therefore, through caring about the things of God, bringing our anxiety to him, praying constantly with him and rejoicing in him, allows us to receive God's peace, which will protect us as we claim Christ's victory in the face of Satan. We claim that victory. We claim what is true. And how do we claim those things? By thinking, by reflecting and believing on the things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of our praise. Just as Paul tells us, to think and reflect on these things, it's not enough. As it says in verse 9, we must also practice these things, to live them out. Simply put, what we say here at Hope is we're called to love and live like Jesus. To not just think them, but to believe them. And believing is to put them into action. And when we are obedient to God, when we live in alignment with his will and purposes, there is peace. We know obedience it almost always involves sacrifice. Which means it's hard. We're sacrifice-averse, right? We don't want to give up things. That, that, that is not in our nature to want to give up things. We're kind of selfish by nature. We want to receive things. But obedience almost always involves sacrifice. And we know we have the best model of sacrifice in Jesus Christ so what do we learn obedience it does lead to sacrifice yes but when you keep at it long enough when you're faithful long enough you remain faithful on the other side of that sacrifice is joy and peace think of it this way think about kids when kids are not obedient usually there's not a whole lot of peace between parents and kids that peace is broken and when the peace is broken it is very hard for the kid or the parent to feel joy. That's just kind of how it goes. I might be speaking from experience here. But when our kids are obedient, it creates peace, harmony between parents and kids. There, there's, there's peace because there's no cause for you know, a parent-child discussion or a timeout or a some kind of punishment of some sort or what-have-you and when there's peace It fills the parents with joy and when the parents are pleased and happy with their kids the kids feel and receive happiness When they do what they know is right and what the parents are hoping is right they are also filled with peace and joy So, this entire message means, kids, listen to your parents. Obey them, and there will be much rejoicing. That's not the whole message, but listen to your parents. It's good. Here's the thing. The same holds true for God and his joy. Our obedience brings him joy. And in turn, his joy becomes our joy. Faithful living is... We, we're closer to joy because there's less barriers in the way, okay? Now let's bring it home. let's let's finish up our passage for today from ten through thirteen. It goes like this: "I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, Not that I'm speaking of being in need for I've learned, in whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul, come on. Just pack all your seemingly impossible challenges into one chapter here. (laughs) Do not worry, rejoice always. Be content in all things. And of course, we know Paul's in prison in Rome. So chances are, when compared to our situation, His is a little bit worse. And yet, Paul has learned to seek contentment. But graciously, he tells us how to do that. He he learned the secret and he shares that secret to facing basically anything this world throws at us. And the secret is that, yeah, guess what? You can't do it on your own strength, but you also don't have to. Don't do it on your own strength. Rely fully and completely on our omnipotent God. For God can do anything, and when we rely on him, he gives us his strength to tackle the struggles of this world, and we then can receive his peace that surpasses all. And that's what this chapter, that's what this book is teaching us. Claiming joy. It is a daily act of willful defiance. We are choosing to live as citizens of heaven instead of this world. We are defying the struggles and the hardships of this world by being obedient to God and his calling in our lives. So in this book of joy, Paul, he's instructing us to always rejoice in the Lord. Don't worry about anything, be content in everything And we can do anything. (laughs) We can do anything. Because each day we can live defiantly against all the ways of this world that try and suck our joy. We can do that with Christ's strength as our own. We defy this world. We defy the sin. We defy the struggles by choosing to live as citizens of heaven instead of citizens of the world. Joy is an act of daily defiance against everything life throws at us. Because our joy is a shield. When we hold on tight to our joy, it will protect us. But joy is also a weapon. When we get that diagnosis, when you receive heart-wrenching news, When your friend turns your back on you, when you are brought to your knees with the weight of the world on your shoulders, when you are dealing with massive disappointment, we can turn our worries into prayers. And even when we do not feel that joy, we can still rejoice, for God is still good. And we know The evil, the sin, the pain, the sadness, the hurt, the heartache we feel in this world, they do not get the final say. We have an everlasting and an eternal victory that is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our God is good now and always. He is sovereign. He is in control. He is good our joy is a defense as well as a weapon so as we finish up our series on philippians this is my prayer and my hope for all of us as we walk through this world as we deal with the struggles of this world the powers of this world all that life throws at us that we daily defy the darkness and we defy it by claiming our joy that transcends circumstance. We choose our joy daily, and we proclaim in the midst of the hardship, you know what? You cannot take my joy. You cannot take my joy. You cannot take my joy. joy. May that be our mantra. Our daily act of defiance, our battle cry. You cannot take my joy because we have claimed it. We are fighting for it. Each and every day we declare it and we are choosing it. And we will share it with the world so that they may see Jesus. That we can see Jesus in the joy we experience and share each and every day. Because joy, it's not some fleeting emotion. Joy is an everlasting and eternal gift that comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in Him we have victory. In Him we have hope. In Him we have peace. In Him we have joy. All praise, honor, and glory be to Him. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father. Oh God, you are so good. You are so good and so loving and so caring that you draw close to us, your creation. That you are close to those who mourn, you are close to those who hurt. That you desire to wipe every tear from every eye because you are love. So we give you thanks today, God. We give you thanks for all you are, and that you have called us into an everlasting and eternal relationship with you. A relationship that cannot be broken. So God, we confess when we forget that. We confess when we're not upholding our end of the covenant with you. When we are choosing the ways of this world instead of your ways when we are starting to shift into bitterness or into darkness or into anger or hatred, we confess those things before you today, God. We pray that your spirit does a mighty work in us to bring us back in alignment with you and your will. Because all your ways are good. They are streams in a desert. and They show us the way to you. For you are the way, the truth, and the life. So God, as we travel through this world, and we know we will face trouble, we pray that we can rejoice all the same, knowing who you are, what you have done, and what you are doing. We claim it and proclaim it, God, that you are good, you are on the throne, and our victory is sure in you. And God, we do. We cast our cares onto you. You ask us to not worry and to do that. We do that by by praying, turning our worries into prayers. So God, right now we silently lift before you all the worries we are carrying right now. Ease our burdens, God. Cast our cares on you. We know our burden is light when we are walking in step with you. We think of our church family, God. We think of all the needs present in our congregation. Those battling with health issues. We think specifically this morning of our sister Marian Zaitema. You know she's been dealing with nerve pain in her face, and it's been it's been very painful. And the doctors told her she just has to wait it out a little bit longer before relief may come. We pray, God, that you provide Miriam with the healing she needs right now. We pray for that relief. We pray for answers and swift healing as only you can bring as the ultimate physician. And we think of all others in our congregation who's just feeling down or facing disappointment, that we may find our hope, our peace, our joy in you. We thank you for this community. We pray for for your protection over our community. Pray for our city of Kalamazoo, our neighborhood of Westwood. And God, you know how real the brokenness of this world is. You know it better than even we do, even though we are seeing it more abundantly now. We pray, come Lord Jesus, make all things right, for we need you so desperately. We love you, God. We give you thanks for this time. We, uh, we pray that you and your spirit will empower us to step boldly out in faith this week, this day, uh, in your name. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty and powerful name and all God's people say, Amen.